Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel in chapter number 19. 1 Samuel and chapter number 19. <clears throat> we head into the more of the life and ministry of David. We see that David has been told by God through the prophet Samuel that one day he would be king. Now the whole time David has never done anything to lift his hand to become king. He has just made himself available and God has used him. God has used him to slay the giant Goliath and he was used as an instrument. We saw that after the victory he still behaved himself wisely. He behaved himself wisely in the victory. He behaved himself wisely in the face of enemies and he behaved himself wisely dealing with authority and the whole time God was with him now Saul who was not very happy God had withdrawn his spirit from him withdrawn his mercy from him and Saul is miserable and the more that he hangs around David the more that he's confronted with David the more that he sees David he is upset and angry and the true reason is not because he's upset at David it is because he is upset at God and that he refuses to get right with God. And he is miserable. The most miserable people you will ever meet is a Christian who is backslidden. A Christian away from God. Because God continues to provoke them. Continues to go after them. Continues to convict them over and over and over. Because God wants to draw them to himself. And now we have Saul who is not right with God. And dealing with David, who has God's favor upon him? Pick it up with me in 1 Samuel 19 as we see the culmination of what occurs when these two forces meet together. 1 Samuel chapter 19, and notice with me in verse 1. And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to his, all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father seeketh to kill thee. Now therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself unto the morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in a field where thou art. And I will commune with my father of thee. And what I see, that will I tell thee. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father and said unto him let not the king sin against his servant against David because he hath not sinned against thee and because his works have been to thee word very good for he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel and thou sawest it and did rejoice wherefore then will thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause. And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul sware, As the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And if you have it marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in 1 Samuel chapter 19? 1 Samuel 19 and verse 6, notice the phrase, As the Lord liveth, he, that's David, shall not be 
be slain. And what we're going to see throughout this entire chapter is God fulfilling this exact phrase that Saul himself said. That as the Lord liveth, David should not be slain. As the Lord liveth, David shall not be slain. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as I come up to you, Lord, I am desperate for your help. Lord, with this cold, this ailment right now, I'm having a hard time breathing. And you know that. And I'm not trying to draw attention to it. I'm just saying I need you. I need wisdom and discernment to be able to communicate this message, to be able to get across it and not be a distraction, not be a hindrance. But you could be a help that you could give exactly what is getting across. Give me wisdom and how to say things and how to go through and that you would help me above all measure. Lord, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we see in this passage in the rest of the chapter that Saul's jealousy of David has peaked. Now again, it's not so much because of David. It's because God has blessed David and Saul is very convicted. There's one thing that when you behave yourself wisely in the Lord and God's hand is upon you that those who are not right with God are very easily convicted. You don't have to say a single thing. Just being in the presence convicts them. And that's exactly what has happened to David is that David is just in the presence of Saul and Saul is highly convicted. And when all else fails, the Bible adage is, is that when everything goes bad, kill the preacher. That if you could somehow get rid of the messenger, it would mess up the, <laughs> it would get rid of the message. And that's not the thing at all. Notice if you don't mind, as Saul himself said, that as the Lord liveth, David shall not be slain. God told David, you're going to become king, and David will become king. And in spite of that, Maybe because of that, Saul is doing everything in his power to kill David. Notice, if you don't mind, how God has protected David. First of all, we see Jonathan pleaded for David. Jonathan pleaded for David. Now, Saul had a meeting with all of his advisors and Jonathan. They had a special meeting. And the number one thing on the agenda, let's kill David. Can you imagine the soldiers the generals, the people who had helped him, Abner, um, excuse me, um, Saul's chief captain was there. Jonathan was there. Other people who had saw what David did. Can you imagine that meeting? Saul coming in, gruffly puts his hands on the table. Let's kill David. What? Where'd this come from? Let's kill David. Okay. How would you like to be in that meeting? To hear the king come in and say, let's kill David. Why? Well, Jonathan, obeying authority, didn't say anything. Remember, submission to authority is not silence, but it's saying the right thing in the right time in the right place. So Jonathan held his peace in the meeting. Then he pulls David aside and says, David, I want you to hide. Go hide over here. I'm going to go grab dad. We're going to come out here and I'm going to say good things about you. And let's see if we can get dad to calm down. Now, you're not going to be there. So David's hiding. You can almost see, almost like a cartoon, the little bushes with eyeballs in it, just kind of looking around. Jonathan takes dad on a walk and says, dad, let's talk. Dad, why do you want to kill David? I mean, David's done nothing but good to you. He's been a good servant. He's been a blessing. He's been used everywhere he's 
where he's at. He's, he's been nothing but good to you. Besides that, God used him. It was David who stood up to Goliath. No one else did. It was David that was used to get this great victory that day. Dad, you would be sinning against innocent blood. Dad, you'd be sinning against David. Dad, you'd be sinning against God. And Saul thinks about it and nods his head and says, you know what, you're right. You're right. I'm not going to kill David. As long as God lives, as the Lord liveth, I will not kill David. So we can see David spared once. After all, they did have a meeting with the generals. How can we kill David? All right, attempt number three, if you count the two javelin attempts earlier. So now we're at attempt number three. I was talking to my wife and I said, let's just keep count of how many times David is about ready to die, threatened to die during this time. So we're up number three and God has spared him. God has used Jonathan to spare David's life. Notice, if you don't mind, as we now go to the next attempt, not only did Jonathan plead for David, but we also see the javelin miss David. The javelin miss David. Notice with me in verse number 9. And an evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul, with no doubt. Remember, we talked about the evil spirit here is the withdrawing of God's mercy, with withdrawing of God's spirit, and with the mercy and God's spirit withdrawn, so is the goodness. And so Saul's in a bad mood again. Now, again, it says something about the character of David that Saul has already tried to kill David twice when David's just doing his job. And David does it again. Now, is there something bad about David? No, he's trusting God. He's doing what he's supposed to, even with an authority who is not right. Notice with me in verse number 9 again. An evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in the house with his javelin in his hand. I'd almost get weary of that javelin. Playing a song, singing hymns, watching uh, Saul twirl that javelin around, keeping an eye on that thing. And so Saul has the javelin in his hand again. <laughs> and David played with his hand. And Saul sought to smite David, even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence. And he smote the javelin into the wall and David fled and escaped the night. Now, once again, this is God that's protected. And we explained earlier this morning that Saul was the master of the javelin. That was his weapon. He was someone who was not missing. And this is in a small chamber. So without a doubt, it's not like all the way across the parking lot. David's right there. He can't miss. Again, if I was David, I'd be keeping an eye on that hand. Finally, Saul starts putting the javelin in his hand, testing the weight, going back. David's watching, and he throws it. And it's God that spares David. David ducks out of the way and takes off out the door and says, See you later. And that javelin's sticking straight in the wall. Attempt number four. Second time in this one. That God spared David with a javelin. Now, I don't know about you, but I might start getting the idea that Saul would like to kill me. And I don't know what, what, how your psyche would be, but it probably didn't give you joy, joy, joy down deep in your heart. But you got to deal with this. So David goes home. And notice what happens in verse number 11. And Saul sent messengers unto David's house to watch him. There's always a good feeling. You look outside the curtains and you could see the government outside in their vehicles looking out for you. Watching you, making sure you're not escaping, know where you're at at all times. That's always a good feeling when the government's out to get you, and they are. And they're looking for them. 
And Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. All right, so they're all out there. They're waiting for David. And David's wife, Michal, told him, saying, If thou save not thy life tonight, tomorrow thou be slain. Now, she knows dad and knows dad's upset and says, David, you got to get out of here. If you stay overnight, they're going to kill you. Now, remember what God said, that God said, you're going to the other side. You're going to become king. But it's very understandable that David's listening to his wife. He sees the government cars outside, knows that Saul's tried to kill him four times already. And now they're out there and they're going to kill him in the morning. You would probably do the same thing. He says, all right, fine. See you later. And his wife tells him, you got to go. You got to go. He probably doesn't want to leave, but he acquiesces to her suggestion. David, you got to take off. You can't stay here. You're going to die if you stay here. So notice what happens. Verse 12. So Mikhail let David down through a window and he went and fled and escaped. And Mikhail took an image and basically what she did is she did what some of the kids do. She made a nice little pillow man. So underneath the blanket, she stuffed a lot of straw and put a little head, maybe like a pumpkin head or whatever it is, and covered it with the blankets. And when the people came in the morning, they said, where's David? He's not feeling good. He's sick. So the messengers, notice what happened, if you don't mind. Um, verse number um, 13. And Mikhail took an image and laid it in his bed and put a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster and covered it with a cloth. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he is sick. And Saul sent the messengers again. Now, they're sent to go kill David. And Mikhail says, I'm sorry, David can't come, he's sick. So they go back to Saul and said, sorry, he can't come, he's sick. I told you to kill him. Verse number 15, and Saul sent the messengers again to see David and said, bring him up to me in the bed that I may slay him. All right, if he's too sick to get out of bed, bring the whole bed with you. And when the messengers came in, behold, there was an image in bed and a pillow of goat's hair for his boister. And Saul said to Michal, why hast thou deceived me so? And sent away mine enemy that he escaped. And Michal answered, he said unto me, let me go. Why should I kill thee? Basically, she said, hey, David left so that way you wouldn't kill me while trying to get to him. He was looking out for me. <laughs> and so, again, how bad does dad have to be when his own daughter is afraid of him? His own daughter is saying, I'm going to get caught in the crossfire of this whole thing. This is not a good situation. Both the kids, Jonathan and Mikhail, know that dad wants to kill David. And they both, Jonathan's tried to talk sense into dad. It didn't work. Mikhail hid David from dad because uh, how he is. Everyone's recognizing that Saul's on the warpath and it is not good. Well, David did the only thing he can do. Notice, if you don't mind, another thing. So God has spared David by Jonathan. God has spared David from the javelin. God has spared David uh, from Mikhail, uh, using Mikhail as Mikhail kind of protected David. But then we see that the Spirit of God protected David. The Spirit of God protected David. Now, notice with me in verse 18. So David fled and escaped and came to Samuel in Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and went to Naoth. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a good plan. David escaped, ran away. Where would you go? I'd go to the preacher. He went to Samuel and said, Samuel, something's wrong with Saul. 
Can you imagine how that broke Samuel's heart? Because Samuel invested so much in Saul. And he watched Saul walk away from God. Now David's saying, he's trying to kill me. Three times he's put a javelin to me. I mean, he's not joking. He's had a business meeting. Let's kill David. And then I took off in the middle of the night. I don't know what happened to my wife, but I took off. And Samuel, what do I do? So Samuel says, this is bad stuff. Let's go together and let's walk. So David is on the run. And verse number 19. And it was told to Saul saying, behold, David is at Naoth at Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophet prophesying and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. Now at this time, Saul, or sorry, Samuel was running a Bible institute. He was training preacher boys. And as he's training preacher boys, they're having a class going on. David's watching. Saul sends messengers to come get David. And they burst into class, and there's Samuel in front of the preacher boy class, and he's preaching. And the Spirit of God comes down, and those messengers coming for David, God touches them, and they begin to preach. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. And so they walk out of here. And they go back to Saul and say, hey, we went to go take Samuel, or David, and Samuel was preaching. And next thing you know, we got caught in the Spirit. We're all preaching too. Saul's like, you stupid idiots. Can't you do something right? Here, you guys, you go. So he goes, sends another book of messengers. And they go and they find Samuel. He's teaching the preacher boys. He's preaching. They come in. They get caught by the Spirit. Next thing you know, they're preaching too. And so they go back and say, Saul, we went back and we saw David. And we saw Samuel. Samuel was preaching. The Holy Spirit came down. We don't know what happened. We started preaching too. Saul says, you can't do anything right. I'll do it myself. Come on, guys. And so Saul goes. And Saul goes, and there's Samuel teaching the preacher boys. He's preaching. And wouldn't you know, the Holy Spirit came down. And Saul starts preaching. He rents his clothes and saying, God's good, and God's great. And what in the world just happened? And everyone scratches their head and say, what happened here? This is the guy who was going to kill David and now next thing you know he's preaching and saying God is good and God is right. What's going on? And we see it's God himself that protects David. You know isn't that interesting that God can protect David? David was stuck. What are they going to do? A bunch of preachers? Well the preachers did what they were supposed to. They began to preach and the Holy Spirit came down. Now, we could see that these four times added up to six, but in this story, four times, uh, if you count the two groups of messengers, you could add a little bit more. We're starting to add a lot about Saul. He really wants to kill David. He wants to get a hold of him. How would you like for someone who really hates you that much, they want to kill you? What would your mindset be like? Where would your heart be at? Well, it's interesting to note that during this time, David wrote several psalms. David wrote during this time of after Goliath and during this time where Saul was trying to kill him, whether it was talking to Jonathan, whether he was being chased uh, and being with the preachers. David wrote Psalm 11. He wrote Psalm 12. He wrote Psalm 120. He wrote Psalm 58. He wrote Psalm 59. If you don't mind, let's just take a look at just one of these psalms here. And look with me in Psalm 59. 
So again, here's the context. David is on the run from Saul for the first time. Saul has already tried to javelin him three times. He's pretty serious about it. He's had a business meeting with his generals. How do we kill David? He sent government agents outside of his window to keep track of him. So that way they could kill him in the morning and he escaped in the night. Twice messengers came to the, to the Bible Institute to try to, to take him. And then Saul himself came. What would your mindset be during this time of turmoil? During this time where people want to kill you? Well, let me show you what David's mindset was like in Psalm 59. Psalm 59. In the midst of this trouble, notice this. Psalm 59 in verse 1. Deliver me from mine enemies, O my God. Defend me from them that rise up against me. That'd probably be your prayer too, right? God, help me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloody men. This bloody men has the idea of bloodthirsty men. Hey, Saul wants to kill me and he's not going to be satisfied unless I'm dead. God, you got to protect me. For lo, they lie in wait for my soul. The mighty are gathered against me, not for my transgression nor for my sin, O Lord. They run and prepare themselves without my fault. Awake to help me and behold. Thou therefore, O Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to visit all the heathen. Be not merciful to any wicked transgressors. They return at the evening. They make a noise like a dog and go around the city. Behold, they belch out with their mouths. Swords are in their lips. For who, say they, doth hear? But thou, O Lord, shall laugh at them. Thou shall have all the heathen in derision. Because of his strength will I wait upon thee, for the God is my defense. Now notice this. The one thing that's great about the Psalms is that it's the heart issue of man. And they teach us something about songs in the Bible. And teach us something about prayer. That these are a prayer of David. So David starts off with kind of a frantic tone. God, they're after me. They're trying to kill me. God, please, I need you to protect me. And in the middle of the psalm, something happens as he's talking with God. He starts to relax and trust in God and say, God, you're my defense. You're my shield. You're my buckler. Notice this if you don't mind. Verse 9 again. For of his strength will I wait upon thee, for God is my defense. The God of my mercy shall prevent me. God shall let me see my desire upon my enemies. Slay them not, lest my people forget. Now, at the beginning of the psalm, he's saying, God, kill them. They're after me. But now he's saying, God, I could trust you. God, don't kill them. You got a plan for them. He says, scatter them by thy power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. For the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips, let them be taken up in their pride. And for cursing and lying which they speak, consume them in wrath, consume them that they may not be. And let them know that, the God, that, uh, that God ruleth in Jacob unto the ends of the earth. And at evening, let them return. And let them make a noise like a dog and go around about the city. Let them wander up down for meat and grudge if they be not satisfied. But I will sing 
of thy power. Yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning. For thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Unto thee, O my strength, will I sing. For God is my defense and the God of my mercy. What we see here is that in the midst of trouble, David was still determined to sing. You know, when you're able to sing to God, that's because you're trusting in Him. You could trust in Him. David is in the midst of hard times. Someone's trying to kill him and it's not in his imagination. Some say it's, only, it's not paranoia if they're really trying to kill you. They're after him. And he starts off by saying, God, God, got to protect me, got to do something. But at the end of his talking with God, he's saying, God, I could still sing. I can sing. You know, there's a power in song, a power in singing to God. That when you're able to sing to God in the midst of hardship, it shows that your heart is directed to Him. Now, I understand it may start off with a very weak song, very pathetic sounding. But the more that you think about it, and the more that you're singing to God and singing to Him, that song begins to go out. And it gives you such courage because God is still good and God is still right. That in the midst of your darkest night, can you sing? When you're at the place where you think everyone's out to get you, can you sing? When everything is falling apart around you, can you sing? There's something about a song in the night. Something about being able to sing to God when everything is falling apart. You see, God had made a promise to David that, David, you're going to become king. And no matter what Saul did against that, he could not go against God's wishes. God was going to protect him. David was holding on and saying, God, I'm trusting you. When God says you're going to the other side, you're going to the other side. How is it going to work? I don't know, but I could trust him. How do I know I'm trusting him? I can sing. I can sing. It's interesting to note that in the midst of this time here, when he's running from the time that from Jonathan, all the way up to the time that Saul met him in the school of the prophets, that he wrote Psalm 11, Psalm 12, Psalm 120, Psalm 58, and Psalm 59. That's five psalms that David wrote during this small span here. He wrote this during the time just to say, God, I trust you. So let me ask you a question, dear friend. Do you have a song? Is it typical for you that when things are going wrong at work, things are going wrong at home, things are going wrong with your finances, can you sing? If you were able to sing, it's an indication of your heart that you can trust in God. Do you have a song? Can you sing? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness 
of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.